Welcome back to our podcast, Fresh Off the Set. I'm Sarah Jenkins. And I'm Alora Murray. And today we are talking about anxiety and anxiousness, which I think a lot of people experience. I'm really excited for this podcast and ways that people can kind of mitigate that. I, know, I, I feel like we live in a world today where we just feel burnt out. We can get stressed. We can get anxious. We can uh, get depressed. We can get burnt out. And one of the things I do is I really have to practice mindfulness. And one of the things I do, I know this may sound a little odd, um, I have a sensory box and inside this box I have something that touches all the senses something that I can feel so maybe it's putty something that I can smell a candle um music takes you you kind of get the point yeah but having this box being able to go through my senses really grounds me Mm -hmm. and brings me back to the present because lots of times when we feel stressed or burnt out or depressed these these negative emotions that we sometimes feel we need to bring ourselves to the present practice mindfulness to bring us in the now. So that is something that I do yeah, to absolutely. help with these feelings. I think that there's so many cool different ways that you, like whatever works for you, right? And mm-hmm. so for me, I discovered yoga about 10 years ago and it's been such a thing that I go back to time and time again. I love that you can pick it up different points in your life. There've been times where I haven't practiced a lot and times mm-hmm. where I go every day and it helps me with stress and kind of being centered. And um, Carrie talked to Dr. Hammer about uh, different tips on kind of being mindful and de-stressing. So I say we take a listen. Let's do it. I am so excited to talk with Dr. Greg Hammer, Stanford School of Medicine professor, physician, best-selling author, and mindfulness expert. He's going to share how the GAIN method can be used to manage stress and strengthen our mental resilience. Man, Greg, we can use all of that, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Great to be with you, Carrie. So excited to chat with you. Okay, let's talk about burnout because I feel like especially after 2020, we are all feeling burnout, even before 2020, but it's added on extra. So we've heard that burnout is on the rise the last two years, causing emotional outbursts, mass resignations, and more, and just so much stress. What is burnout? Burnout is a condition of fatigue, physical, emotional, spiritual fatigue caused by chronic stress. Life, as you know, Carrie, itself is stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of unanswered questions about our purpose, our mortality, getting along with other people, other nations, etc. So there's always stress in our lives. But I think the last couple of years uh, related to the pandemic and what's happening now in Ukraine, uh, all of the uh, examples of police-related violence, etc., I think we can all agree that uh, this is perhaps the most stressful period of time in our lifetime. So we're all suffering from uh, various degrees of burnout, that is adverse symptoms, let's call it, related to this chronic stress. Sure. Well, Greg, how do we know we've reached burnout and we've reached a level of like, all right, I'm done, I am burned out? Carrie, I think burnout is really a relative term. Uh, As I said, I think we're all pretty much generally exposed to chronic stress or experience chronic stress. And burnout is really how we relate to that. How do we respond to these stressors, both internal and external? I would consider burnout as uh, really sort of, as we would say in medicine, clinically significant Mm -hmm. when reaches the point that we're very temperamental, we're snapping at people we normally wouldn't, we run out of patients earlier and earlier in the day. For example, I think most of us, by the end of a very long day at work, are 
perhaps uh, wearing a little bit thin and, you know, welcome the end of the workday and the ability to go outside and breathe fresh air and so on. But when that sort of wearing thin sensation and the resultant uh, sort of temperament that it produces in our persona, that happens earlier and earlier in the day. And then eventually we might notice that just shortly after we get to work, if we're if we're actually going physically to work, we get we feel that way. Um, And so I think really it's something that we experience that we know what it is when we experience it. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. You kind of know when you're at that level, I guess, where you're just you're you're just done and you're feeling anxiety, maybe depression comes with it and you're, you know, snapping at people. You just need a break. So, Greg, what's the first thing that you would recommend that someone does if they're feeling at the point where they're at burnout? Yes. Well, I think that what we need to do, Carrie, if we're going to be happy is embrace just a small handful of very simple principles. And let's face it, the one thing that all 7 billion of us want is happiness. Yeah. So what is it that prevents us from being happy? Because I think happiness is actually our true nature and it's veiled by the way that our brains have developed. And I would cite two particular ways our brains seem to be wired that interfere with our ability to experience happiness. And the first one is that we have a negativity bias. We tend to remember the negative things and forget about all the positive things. Mm -hmm. And um, the other uh, property that our brains seem to have acquired through evolution over the past tens of thousands of years is that we're very distracted by the past and the future. Yeah, that's so true. We absolutely and and happiness really dwells in the present moment. If if we think about the times that we've been happiest, let's say, for example, taking a walk in the redwood forest, we see the light kind of filtering down through the canopy above and these majestic old trees surround us. And we have that smell. Maybe there's a little extra oxygen in the air and and, um, we feel blissed out. We feel happy. We feel content. We're not thinking about what happened yesterday, something we said that we're ashamed of or worrying about the list of things we have to do tomorrow or next week. We're just right there in that present experience and we're happy. So this distraction we have with the past and future as well as our negativity bias are the two principal ways I think our brains have become wired that interfere with our happiness. So we just need to intentionally address those two issues. And by one of my heroes, Dr. John Kabat-Zinn, defined mindfulness as experiencing the present moment on purpose, non-judgmentally. And I think this refers to some essential principles. One is that happiness dwells in the present moment. So if we can be fully present, we're happy. Uh, The issue of being intentional, to me, relates to these properties of our brain, that we're negativistic, that we're distracted by the past and future. We have a hard time being present. So if we're not intentional about changing the way we think, then we're not going to be happy. So we have to be purposeful. And the non-judgmental component also is essential. We are constantly evaluating everything in our environment. This is good. That's bad. He's better looking than I am. She's taller than I am. And we need to, uh, I think, if we're going to be happy, address this constant stream of judgments and let go of those judgments. Things don't have to be good or bad. They can be exactly the way they are. So this goes to the gain 
acronym and the principles of gain, which I think are very simple. And I think if we uh, embrace a daily practice, it can be very brief where we pay attention on purpose to these principles, we will gradually be able to rewire our brains and, and be happier people. Mm, which is what we all need and we can all use just to live that, you know, simpler, happier life. And let's dive into that a little bit more, Greg, the four pillars of the gain method and how it's used in maybe specifically meditation. Sure. Well, um, I can tell you that the practice that I embrace and teach is the gain method. And we start in the morning with a brief contemplative meditation. A lot of people carry, as you know, think that meditation involves sitting in an uncomfortable position mm-hmm. for at least without moving or scratching an itch, right? banishing all thoughts from our mind. And so people believe that and that's what they've heard and they try it and they fail and they abandon it or they're intimidated and they don't even want to get started. But those are not uh, inexorably linked to meditation. <laughs> so let's talk about just the three to five minute practice that we can do every morning. So we get up, we open our blinds, we do our morning hygiene, and then we just find a quiet, comfortable place to sit. It can be in a chair, it can be on the floor. And we get in touch with our breath. So we notice the magical quality of the air coming in through our nose and going into our chest and expanding our chest, expanding our bodies. And then we just let it go without any effort. Um, And we slow it down a little bit because this will cause our heart rate to go down, the amount of adrenaline in our body to go down and help us relax and be present. And so we get in touch with our breath and then we begin to contemplate the gain element. So we go to our gratitude and we all have much for which to be grateful. You know, most of us live in a fairly safe environment. We don't have to worry about saber-toothed tigers lurking at the mouth of our cave. Right. Um, We don't have to worry about bombs dropping around us. And again, this is for the most part for those that live in the United States. We all have a lot to be grateful for. We have loved ones. Um, If we're lucky enough to have work that we enjoy, we can be grateful for that. So we just go to the things for which we're grateful. And then we transition to acceptance, which is the A in game. And acceptance acknowledges the fact that there's pain in life. Uh, As much as there is joy, there's also pain. And the more we resist that, the more we suffer. So there's a formula in the book, suffering equals pain times resistance. So the pain is there. We lose a loved one. It's really how we accept or resist that that will determine to what extent we suffer related to that pain. So let's say we've lost a loved one during COVID. We can focus on that feeling, that sensation, that person's face. And we imagine with our eyes closed as we're slowing down our breathing, that we bring that pain closer and closer and we open our chest, we open our heart and we let that pain come in, we actually merge with it. And if we ask ourselves the question, can I live with this pain forever? The answer ultimately becomes yes. And what we commonly find is through acceptance, the pain seems to diminish. It's really the suffering that diminishes. So we move on to intention. And again, as we've discussed, we have to be purposeful about the way we think and the way we live, because if we're not, our default is to be very negativistic and distracted and not present. Right. So we focus with intention on the present moment. So uh, as we breathe, we go back to noticing our breath. We focus on what we hear around us, maybe the tingling on the soles of our feet. And we find that we're just in the present moment. We're learning how to be present 
just a few small bites at a time. And we can also intentionally contemplate taking our negative feelings and turning them upside down and being positive. Think about three good things that happened to us the day before. It can be a wonderful meal, a conversation with a friend, a walk outside, uh, petting our dog. Mm -hmm. So we think three good things and we find that we're thinking in a more positive manner. And then we move to non-judgment. And again, as, as we touched on, we're judging constantly. And so what I do in my non-judgment portion of the gain meditation is I picture the earth as viewed from space in one of these beautiful NASA images. And I feel that the earth is neither good nor bad. The earth is just a planet. It is as it is. Excuse me. And if I believe that, then it's only logical for me to turn inward and see myself as who I am. I am neither good nor bad. I am just the person that I am. I am that I am. And then we return to the breath and slowly open our eyes and we're ready to go out in the world and we're happier. And we are reminded during the day when we feel frustrated, when we start to feel a lack of patience, when we start to feel that stress and it's its attributes, we simply go back to our gratitude, acceptance, intention, and non-judgment. And this is how we learn in small bites, but repetition. And so I would encourage people just to devote three or four minutes to this practice every morning. That's it. Three or four minutes. We can do that. Yes. And, you know, after months go by, we can look back and realize we're actually beginning to think a little bit differently. We're thinking more positively and we're thinking more of the present. We're in touch with our present experience, which is really the only experience we ever have. I already feel better. <laughs> I mean, just you going through that with, you know, gratitude, acceptance, intention, non-judgment. And uh, I think gratitude is such an important, especially important because when I start to get a little anxious or a little, you know, like I'm feeling that burnout, or I, I start to think of just even the simple things I'm grateful for. Like you said, a, a great meal or something, you just start to, you don't have the anxiousness. It takes that away just to be grateful. And I, I think Greg, it's great to remember to do this in the morning. And wouldn't you say maybe throughout, maybe you need it right before you go to bed or, you know, throughout your day? Absolutely. I mean, I think refocusing our thoughts on these constructive happiness principles, as often as we can do it, um, small bites, larger bites, the more we do it, the more we actually rewire our brains. Our brains have this magical quality called neuroplasticity. That means, yes, they're wired in a certain way. Some of those ways interfere with our ability to be happy. But the good news is if we practice, we can actually rewire our brains. Mm -hmm. They have that plasticity. And so, yes, at night, um, we can think of three good things before we go to sleep. There are actually data out of the Three Good Things program at Duke that show scientifically that simply thinking of three good things that happen during the day, being grateful for those um, thinking of a loved one, um, an interaction we had, just thinking of three good things before we go to sleep helps us sleep better and we're happier. And they've actually shown that. So yes, um, the more we think in these ways, the better off we are, the less stressed out we are, the happier we are. Yeah. And it's, that's what we all want is that happiness that I love that you said, stay in the moment. Cause I think sometimes when we're living in the future, there comes the anxiety when we're living in the past, maybe brings a little depression. So being in that moment, which it's hard to do sometimes. So taking that gain method, so smart. And we have a lot of families here 
in Utah, Greg, how young would you say, I, I think sometimes being an example to our kids is the best way to teach them. How young would you say can we show our kids that, that this may be a great method to use? Oh, I think um, two or three years old. Wow. Okay. Well, I think that we can sit together, you know, we're having our family meal in the evening and we can, you know, some people like to say a prayer, but we can actually go around the table and remind each other about something good that happened during the day. Mm-hmm. We and each other that we're grateful for each other. And so I think we can do this with our children when they're still toddlers. Um, you know, young children are much more perceptive than we give them credit for. So even if it's not doing a gain meditation with their eyes closed, we can still start to introduce these concepts. We can embrace them and we can demonstrate them as they grow up. So I, I don't think, you know, uh, maybe an infant is not going to be that perceptive about right, it. Right. I think, um, you know, by the age of two or three or four, we can start to really introduce and demonstrate and radiate these principles with our children. Yeah, that's a really good idea. And uh, I know you have your Gain Without Pain book. And is there anything you could tease for us in the future too? Well, I'm actually writing a book now with a colleague who's a PhD psychologist who uh, uses a mindfulness-based method for um, counseling teenagers. So the current book that John and I are working on is really for parents of teenagers, teachers, counselors, and others who care for teenagers. So um, it's really focused on mindfulness and the gain gain method, uh, gain principles for teenagers. That's great. Help us out with all that we can with teens. That's great, Greg. I'm glad you're doing that. That's exciting. Do you know when that might be out? Oh, I think it will be another year at least. Um, things are moving a little bit slowly in the publishing world. Um, believe it or not, even just a sh- shortage of paper apparently is, is put the brakes on getting books out there. Wow. Well, I'm excited to read that one. We'll be looking forward to that. And if we want to, where can we find Gain Without Pain now and to follow you, Greg? My website is greghammermd.com, G-R-E-G-H-A-M-M-E-R-M-D.com. So there are lots of media information there linked to the first book. Uh, and hopefully our conversation will be there soon. Absolutely. Greg, thank you for talking with me today. You're such a, you're such a light. You bring such calmness to the conversation and you know, gave us some great ideas of how to move forward with that GAIN method and to help improve our own lives. Thank you for joining me today, Greg, and we hope to talk with you again. It would be my pleasure, Carrie. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Congrats, you made it to the end. If you want to continue to freshen up your day, you can watch us on Fresh Living every weekday on CBS Channel 2 in Utah at 1 o'clock. You can also watch us on our YouTube channel, KUTV Fresh Living, and follow us on social media. We will see you next week.